And I'm Katie Ganey West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are talking about the new Netflix movie, The Gray Man, which is one of their most expensive movies they've ever made. Brian Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, all star in this movie. And we've got we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, Netflix is kind of getting in the movie game now. They had Red Notice a couple months ago, which we reviewed with mm-hmm. The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And now they have The Gray Man, which is sort of similar, but I would say better than Red Notice. So we'll we'll get more into yes. that in just a few minutes. Yes. So we do have some news, though. First up, news about The Gray Man announced today, earlier today, that a sequel for The Gray Man is already in the works. Ryan Gosling will be coming back to star in the lead role of The Gray Man. Um, and there's a spinoff, either series or movies, uh, in the works as well that's going to be like set in that same universe but is going to be different I don't know I feel like they expanded really fast um, you know yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is the next MCU or anything you know or DC cinematic universe but I saw that announcement today and I was like that seems like you're moving really fast on a movie that came out well, five yeah, days and one ago of the, yeah one of the critics had already mentioned it in his soundbite too and I was like how did people know this this fast because I don't think that was published today on Rotten Tomatoes so yeah. I'm confused as well I hope to god we don't have another Marvel on our hands and also I feel like you should see how a movie is received if it's well received or not before you automatically commit to more and I don't know like how many of these Ryan Gosling wants to make either like does he right. want to do five of these or, or Chris Evans yeah yeah Chris Evans just got he's already been doing Knives Out one and two he's already done how many Marvel movies like maybe he doesn't want to yeah yep that's the other thing too is he might be wanting to get out of these too so but right. we'll talk about that more as we go on but just know there are more of these coming down the road I don't know when another news item we mentioned Marvel Comic-Con happened and Marvel announced all this stuff we're not going to really go into much detail on it but uh, they announced oh. a bunch more movies there's going to be two okay. more Avengers movies coming out I think in 2025 so with okay, obviously well. a new group of Avengers so that'll happen Lots more movies coming out. New Captain America is coming out. Yes. Um, there's some other things as well. So just know there's a lot of Marvel content coming down the road, which I think we've talked about on here can be a little exhausting at times. It was not too bad when it was just movies, but now that it's movies and TV shows and all this stuff, it's kind of hard to keep up if you're not like a hardcore, hardcore fan, which I would say neither of us are. No. And I have a bigger problem with um, beating a dead horse, but also putting it on different platforms. Like, that's what's made it harder for me to keep up, because I know I joined, like, watching these Marvel movies a lot later than other people, but it's hard to keep up with both shows on Disney Plus and going to see the movies and understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that was a big announcement at Comic-Con. And then just today we learned that the new movie, uh, Martin Scorsese movie with Leo, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is based on a book, has been pushed back to 2023. It was supposed to come out later this year. It seems like they're almost done with it, but they didn't think they would be yeah. done with it in time for like the awards cycle. So oh, I think okay. at least from the article I read, that's why... They pushed it is because they want to make sure, obviously, that they can get it at all the film festivals and stuff. Um, so we'll see what Dang, happens. That's there. so irritating because that was one of the movies I was the most excited about, and I nominated that for our workbook club, and we all read it this year. The book um, by David Grant. It was so good. But okay, I'll wait. Whatever, I'll wait. What can I do? 
Yeah. So apparently this article is from Deadline and says that it was basically almost done, but they want to make sure that it can be a strong contender for all the Oscar categories. And apparently it's going to premiere possibly at Cannes or Cannes, however you say that, in May of Can't, next mm-hmm. year. So that's mm-hmm. when it's going to have its official like premiere and then probably come out in theaters that fall or something. So we'll see what happens. Okay. It's an Apple Apple movie as well. So it'll be on Apple TV Plus after it's in theaters for a little while as well. So got it. Yep. So that's the news on that, which again, yeah, was a big contender for probably best picture and a lot of other awards at the Oscars and will not be coming out this year, unfortunately. So yeah, we'll have to wait till next year on that one. Uh, corrections. We have none this week in corrections corner. So we move on from that and now into our recommendations. What do you have to recommend this week? Well, I have really dramatically slowed down on my reading. I'm trying, but since I don't really have any books that I'm like, I have to recommend this or something bad will happen. I've also fallen behind in watching TV and movies because I found one show that has taken my full attention. (laughs) It is Married at First Sight on Netflix. I know that's not an original show. It's not nothing about it is new. It's season 10 and 11 that are on Netflix seasons 10 and 11 but i have i don't recall that i had ever watched that show before i knew the premise but i can't stop jared like i'm having trouble going to sleep at night which i had been getting on a really healthy like sleep routine like going to bed before midnight like a normal person and now it's gone by the wayside the good news is i think tonight i'm actually finishing season 10 i'm very excited um but the show is it's obviously reality tv it's utterly ridiculous the whole premise is that you meet someone um you get married to them the first time you see them the day you see them and then you try to build a relationship it's an interesting concept in the way that it's like in a a strange way an arranged marriage but because they do base it on personality traits and things that you want and if you have similar interests, etc. But I just, I'll, I'll just say most of the couples are not working out and I Shocker. did get impatient and yeah, and I already looked up who doesn't make it and who does. So I kind of ruined it for myself, <laughs> but whatevs. Also, I, the new season of The Bachelorette has started. So I didn't put that on there because I've only watched the first episode. Now there's been three, but I enjoyed the first episode. Some people are really not into this season. I love that there's two women. I think that's going to make it more interesting and original than the other like eight, 8,000 previous seasons. So I'm rooting for them. And then lastly, I didn't put this in our notes, Jared, but I recommended Trashy Divorces last week, which is a podcast I've been listening to, and I wasn't going to subscribe, but I did um, because I can't stop listening to it. So I... I haven't listened to true crime in over a week, Jared. So, wow. um, again, Trashy Divorces it is a podcast about d- divorces, but it's celebrities. It's not like it's not like normal people. But the one I listened to today that was fascinating, and they did such a beautiful job, was about Audrey Hepburn. And it was a much earlier episode. And uh, I did look up the two women. They live in Atlanta, which makes sense more because of the accent, which I, I did mention. The accent doesn't bother me. It's something about, like, the timbre or timbre of their voice. Tim, timbre is what I'm trying to say okay. of their voices. But you know what? You're born with the voice you get. Whatever. So I'm sure they're lovely ladies. But they did a beautiful job talking about Audrey's trashy divorces. And in the end, not really a spoiler, they didn't give her any trash cans. They award people with trash cans ah, for like the dumpster okay, fires okay. that were their divorces. Fun rating but, system. Um, 
Yes, and I agree with them that uh, the only people that deserved dumpsters were the people who married her because they sucked so bad, and I hate both of them. Mel and Andrea, you know who you are. Um, But she was with this man, Robert Walders, until her death, and he was a remarkable human being, and they never got married, and he didn't get any trash cans. Um, But my obsession with Audrey, if people were wondering, it is not waning, obviously. Um, And even though I knew a lot of the stuff, because I am full-blown obsessed with Audrey, more than Tom Hanks, like, Audrey is my number one for life. I think Angela Lansbury is a close second. But anyway love it. It's a great podcast. If you want to feel better about your life, if you hate a certain celebrity, if you want to feel some camaraderie, if you're going through a divorce, please listen to Trashy Divorces. Nice. Very nice. Um, I have two (laughs) recommends this week. One is a movie. Um, This came out earlier this year, but it's on Peacock now. The Bad Mm. Guys. I don't know if you remember that. It's an animated movie about with animals. Oh, yeah. Where they're like villains, basically. Uh, It wasn't bad. It's an hour and a half. I watched it the other night. Uh, It's perfectly fine. I would say if you have kids, definitely check it out. It's a fun kids movie, but still interesting enough for adults. Um, We haven't gotten a lot of animated movies this year, I feel like, so far. Or at least really good ones. So this one is pretty good. I don't know if it will have like legs for the Oscar season, like get nominated for best animated feature film or anything, but Mm -hmm. it's worth a watch if you want to check it out. So, um, and then the other thing is I'm a big fan of last week tonight with John Oliver and this week his piece was on inflation. Um, so I thought (gasps) it was really well done. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. It's about 25 minutes, but I think the thing that him and his team do really well is take very complicated topics and, condense them and concise them and make them easier to understand so obviously inflation is a big deal right now everybody's you know struggling with it dealing with it and he kind of talked about why it's happening when it could possibly stop who controls it um all these different things so it's about 25 minutes but if you're trying to figure out you know more about inflation and obviously he does lots of great topics kind of every week but i thought this one was really well done in terms of being very easy to understand providing you a lot of information i'm kind of keeping you updated on on the situation with that so that's my that's other awesome recommend. i added it i added it to my list thank you so much for reminding me though because i subscribe but sometimes i forget to check my little like youtube alerts and yeah all that. yep um also, Jared just wanted to do a pulse check. How's your engagement going? Uh, it's good. We, you know, we're a couple weeks in. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be a weekly update. Uh, things have no, okay. not at all. Things, I just like to check in. Things haven't know? changed much it's since. It's because I'm excited. Last week, yeah, but you know. Okay, great. It's going well. So it's still that's going awesome. Well. Rooting for you. So excited. <laughs> Thank you. So you're welcome. Okay, let's get into our discussion on the Gray Man, released on July 15th in theaters, and then July 22nd on Netflix. They did send this to theaters first. Um, I don't know if they're going to try to nominate it for Academy Awards or Golden Globes or something, but was in theaters, so uh, it might be in a theater near you, or you can watch it on Netflix. PG-13, strong language, strong violence. Runtime's two hours and nine minutes or uh, on Rotten Tomatoes or two hours and two minutes on IMDb. I forget what it was when I watched it. I think it was two hours, not maybe nine minutes is with the credits. Two hours, not maybe the credits are seven yeah. minutes. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know how this keeps happening because 
this didn't used to happen. I would look at IMDb <laughs> and I would cross-reference it with Rotten Tomatoes and they were always the same. And now every time they're like at least a minute off. And I think, how does that happen? Who is timing this? this and is... then I don't know what's accurate. Yeah. I'm not going to time it while I'm watching a movie. And Go it's away. so no. easy with Netflix because it has the little bar at the bottom yes. that tells you how long it is. It should be the same yeah, in that's all true. locations. Should we go by Netflix? I can look at Netflix to double check. Okay, yeah. Well, Katie pulls that up and we'll check on yes. Netflix. I think it's two hours, nine minutes, but not 100% sure. Um, I- it says on here two hours and nine minutes okay. on Netflix. Okay, so that's... So we're going with that as the final... <laughs> That's the, final the definitive count, the coming from the company yeah. that made the movie. Uh, yeah. IMDb score is a 6.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 48%. Audience, 91%. That's a big swing there. That is. That's <laughs> one of the biggest swings we've ever covered, I think. Yeah, yeah. 40-point difference there between critics and audience <laughs> score. So... <laughs> And then box office-wise, domestic, nothing listed. Again, it didn't come out in very many theaters. Worldwide, 249000 So obviously, they're trying to get you to sign up for Netflix and get more money from subscriptions than make money in the movie theater with this. So uh, the synopsis, if you don't know, for this movie is when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. And hmm. Ryan Gosling plays the CIA operative, and the psychopathic former colleague is played by Chris Evans. So we'll get into that more as we go on. First, some um, critics' reviews. First, we have a new Palma uh, Chopra of Film Companion who says Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling, and Danush fight for your attention. The plot is cliched, but the Russo brothers deliver a film packed with action, charismatic actors, and beautiful locations. And if anyone was confused like we were, um, it is interesting that she cited two of the actors' names and Danush is the character's name. So if you're confused, he was one of the kind of villains. He's the one Mm -hmm. that was like clutching a necklace and gave it back to Ana de Armas, if you're wondering. And then the next review is from David Sims of The Atlantic, who says the film exists to set up sequels, to spend money on fancy location shoots, and to look glamorous and exciting. Every harder edge has been sanded down to nothing. Whoa, David. David. That was a bit harsh, sir. David did not like this movie. He also works for The Atlantic, though, which is a very, like, you know prim and proper publication instead of uh, yeah. like popcorn movie publication publication yeah so. they're not gonna they're not gonna debase themselves to watch something like this no but, okay. never uh and right. then next up we have peter travers of abc news who says netflix broke the bank on this formula action epic fronted by ryan gosling and chris evans as assassins for hire it's good enough to rank as watchable but even in these inflationary times shouldn't 200 million bucks buy us more than good enough Good point. I have to say that was that was harsh, but correct. Mm-hmm. I did once, you know, when you hear a staggering number like that, you're like, yeah, that should be like the best picture winner for the year. Yeah, that should be like one of the best movies I've seen this year for that right. price point. Right. So not like money equates to how good it is, but that's a that's a ridiculous amount to spend on a film for like just good enough. And then finally, we have Ollie Richards of Time Out who says it's like a Fast and Furious movie, only with better dialogue and stronger actors delivering it. (laughs) That is my favorite quote of all time. That is hilarious. (laughs) So that was great. Thank you, Ollie. Uh, This movie is directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. 
They're brothers from Cleveland, Ohio. You probably know them for their Marvel movies, including Avengers Endgame, Captain America the Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War. Next up, they will be doing the sequel to this movie, also a movie called Citadel and The Electric State. So they have a lot on their plate coming up over the next couple of years. And we will take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for The Gray Man. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about The Gray Man, the new Netflix movie. Lots of attractive people in this film, starting with Ryan Gosling. Thank you, Jared. I already warned Jared, and I think he agrees that there needs to be crush spoilers for everyone. Let's start with Ryan Gosling. I love that sound, and I especially love... We haven't had a movie in a while that had every single person deserving of a crush alert, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Ryan Gosling plays six. He is one of my favorite Canadians, not that anyone asked. Uh, he is best known for La La Land, Blue Valentine, Drive, Blade Runner 2049, Crazy Stupid Love, and The Big Short. He has been nominated for two Best Actor Oscars already for Half Nelson in 2007 when I was graduating high school. So good job, Ryan. And La La Land in 2017. I am very excited about his upcoming projects, of which there are a lot, including Barbie, Wolfman, The Fall Guy, The Actor, and this is what I noticed today, Project Hail Mary, which was a book of the month book and just a release this year from Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. Um, A lot of people love The Martian. They did an excellent, in my opinion, adaptation of the book to movie, so I have high expectations for this one. I have not yet read Project Hail Mary, but I already own it, and I can't wait to read it. Yeah, this uh, this man loves his space movies. So he does. Yeah. He loves floating in space. <laughs> he loves similar directors and actors. And yes, everyone, if you're thinking after I go through this cast list, all of these people have been in movies together or they're continuing to be in movies together, you're correct. Um, next up, we have Chris Evans. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jared. He plays Lloyd Hansen, which I thought was an excellent name for a villain. We just talked about him in episode 153, where we talked about Lightyear. He is famously from Boston. He is best known for playing Captain America in The Avengers, Captain America Civil War, Captain America the First Avenger, Gifted and Knives Out. He has a slew of upcoming projects, including Ghosted with Ana de Armas, Red One, and Project Artemis. Nice. Also, back to Ryan Gosling for just a second. I looked on IMDb. Uh, We should mention, too, this is his first movie since 2018. So it's been four (gasps) years since we've seen him in a movie. There was COVID, but still, that's a long time. (laughs) Now, this is going to be a um, joke if you all are Mean Girls fans or Rachel McAdams stands, which I am. Um, I felt personally victimized by Ryan Gosling when he and Rachel McAdams broke up and when he decided to get with Eva Mendez. But I have to say I've changed my tune because they seem genuinely very, very happy and devoted to raising their daughters. So I'm happy for them. I've gotten over it. Everyone's moved on. Rachel's had babies. Everyone's moved on. So you know what? I'm going to forgive them. Okay. Jared, do you know what that quote came from? Uh, Have you ever felt personally victimized by regina george yeah for mean girls <laughs> correct okay yeah, mean anyway. girls is a great movie so god you know what we should consider we should reviewing that sometime episode because, on that yeah yeah that movie like that is the gift that keeps on giving that movie will never age and it is perfect anyway <laughs> lastly we have someone jared and i both fight for her love anna de armas <laughs> mm. 
Love her so much. She plays Danny Miranda in this film. Another great name. These are great character names. That's my first like. Um, We're the same age. I just love to bring it up. She is originally from Cuba. She is best known for No Time to Die, Knives Out, with uh, Chris Evans, Blade Runner 2049 with Ryan Gosling, and Knock Knock. Next up, you can see her in Blonde about Marilyn Monroe on Netflix, as well as Ghosted with Chris Evans and Ballerina. Very nice. And thank you. Yes, I'm proud of myself for this one. I felt very (laughs) prepared for this cast list this time. And this movie is also starring Reggae Jean Page, Billy Bob Thornton, Jessica Henwick, Alfre Woodard, and Julia Butters. You've probably seen them all in at least one thing. Yes. So now we'll get into our likes and dislikes for The Gray Man. I think the most, the thing that's being kind of talked about the most with this movie, and also our kind of biggest like with the movie, is the action sequences. Um, the action sequences yes. are very good. There's one particularly when they're on. I thought, I don't know which one was your favorite. I liked the train one in the middle of the city. I think that was yes. my favorite in the movie. Yes. Um, but that, and then oh, go I ahead. also. Oh, sorry. I also liked just the idea of Ryan Gosling when he was handcuffed to that bridge. I know it's not a fight sequence per se, but it was like a shootout. But I thought that was very clever. And I thought it was clever how he ended up like getting a gun and stuff by using his foot instead of a ri- like his, you know, I there was a lot of clever stunt choreography in this. Yeah, there was some definitely some great action sequences. There's one that I didn't love, um, which we'll talk about in dislikes. But for the yep. most part... The action sequences are solid. There's a lot of them in this movie. If you like just pure action, definitely would suggest this because there's there's a ton of action uh, in this film. So Yes, totally agreed. I thought they did an excellent job with that. And also, if you like, um, I follow Ana de Armas on Instagram, and she posted... It was just a cool video if you love um, either fil- like a fight choreography or Ana de Armas or both. Um it just showed her working with, I couldn't tell if it was the actor or if it was like the stuntman, okay. but it showed one of those fight sequences like blow by blow. And it was really cool because I'd seen that prior to watching the film. And when it was happening, I was like, oh, I saw her rehearsing this and it was cool. Cool. So another like is obviously the cast for this is, is really solid. You've got an Academy Award nominated actor. Captain America, mm-hmm. and then yeah. a woman that's probably going to be nominated for an Academy Award Absolute. before her career is over. Yep. So yep. <laughs> you've got some yeah, solid, I, solid leads. <laughs> I agree, and all of the like the the supporting actors were amazing too. Like even having Alfre Woodard, she is very well respected in her field, um, and Julia Butters is adorable. If you all couldn't remember, where have I seen her? She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was the cute little girl that talked to Leonardo DiCaprio when they were, like, on a set and he was having a meltdown and crying. Um, But I remember that being a big part of the trailer. But I thought everybody was a really good... did a really good acting job. And I... I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, especially Arjun, people that love Fast and the Furious. But I do agree with that critic's quote. Like, they're right that this is, you could say this is just like Fast and the Furious or something, except there's actually good actors in it. And I would agree with that statement. 
Come on, Vin Diesel is, you know, creme de la creme. (laughs) It takes a movie from zero to hero, and I am here for it. So they did a great job with casting in this film. Another like, this is kind of a like, and it's going to factor into my dislikes as well. But Mm, um, it's the locations. They go to a lot of different locations in this movie, and they are all visually stunning. I mean, they're in Prague. They're in Paris. They're, I mean. Austria. Yeah, they're all over the place. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Everywhere. I mean, most of the budget on this movie was probably just spent on flights back and forth between all these countries. So, yeah. Although yeah. it's so easy in Europe to get from country to country too that I bet That's that wasn't true. as bad as we think. But I, I think just like pretty. I thought mm-hmm. pretty during this whole film. I was like, every outfit is pretty, every person is pretty, every location is pretty. So I enjoyed that. I think I enjoyed it in particular because it reminded me a lot in a good way about James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because part of the reason I am so attracted to James Bond is because of all the locations they go to and it's very exotic and it's often a lot of places that maybe are not just europe that you you don't typically see a ton of people going to from at least north america so i really enjoyed that part of it another like was the niece dynamic this basically sets up the motivation for the film for ryan gosling's character um to save billy bob thornton and his niece so um that those are two characters that he's trying to to you know get back from chris evans basically so that was yeah. good it added some stakes and it you know did make it it was a nice moment too between him and the uh, and julia butters as well in this movie who plays the niece um they they had a good dynamic between the two of them i think yes agreed i thought that she did a really good job with billy bob thornton and with ryan gosling i liked in particular that was a niece because i love my niece and i i also think like a lot of times we see like a kid is stolen and it's the child of whoever like the parent is Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of gets old and i liked i just thought that was a good dynamic to throw in and it reminded me of we talked in lightyear about how much you and i liked the relationship between um lightyear buzz lightyear which was chris chris Uh, his character but also with the woman that was like a pilot and they had no romantic dynamic and I really liked that so I just thought that was more original and interesting than just having like a son or a daughter kidnapped also one thing I just thought of interesting that this movie has no romantic uh, relationships (gasps) in it either none of the characters in relationships are trying to get with anybody So I didn't even think of, you're right. You know what? That honestly, that's a huge like for me. Um, now that you mention it and there's no sexual content and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that I can't like you can't enjoy that and that that's not a realistic part of life, but people throw it in every movie willy nilly as if like human beings just like <laughs> we can't go a day without <laughs> some sexual content and we can. So I thought that was that's a huge you're right, Jared. That was a great thing to point out. And also when you're like on the run and trying to like catch somebody like playing this cat and mouse game, are you really concerned about like a romantic relationship at that point? Probably not. So honestly, if Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling were around me, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not. So (laughs) Um, wardrobe two was great. Um, I liked Ryan Gosling's stuff that he wore in this movie. He normally has good wardrobe and just about all his films on de Armas had some great outfits too yes um, i would say if anybody was lacking it might have been chris evans and what they dressed him in but those were still good as well the mustache thing was throwing me off with his 
character, though. It threw everybody (laughs) off. But I, so I even liked that because I thought what he was wearing was so different than what Ryan Gosling was wearing that I thought that was interesting. And I liked that they did that. He had almost like a vintagey look to him. And then also, like, Chris uh, Pine does this. He's notorious for wearing those loafers without socks. Mm -hmm. Some men can pull it off. It's very, it's very European. And I think we all know that I love the Europeans and their style. But. I don't really love that look. I think very few men can pull it off. I do think Chris Evans does, and I do think Chris Pine does. Um, but that's not normally something I like, but it worked for him. Anna de Armas, her outfits were stunning, and I really liked that they gave her this kind of like masculine feel, um, menswear kind of vibe, and I just thought that added a lot to the film. I'm sure we will see the loafers without socks in Don't Worry Darling. I can guarantee you there will be a shot of Chris Pine and his shoes with no socks on. So Yes. (laughs) Even if that wasn't like a period thing for whatever time period they're going for. But I bet you're right. No, you're totally right. And then final likes before we move on to dislikes. Good movie to watch on Netflix. Uh, It would be cool to see this on the big screen, but I mean, it has a lot of cool action sequences on it, but I think overall it's not a movie that's possibly necessary to go see in theaters. So I liked that I could watch it from my couch. Um, It was also, we've mentioned Red Notice. It was way better than Red Notice. We're going to give our grades here in, in a few minutes, but our scores, but way better than Red Notice. I thought the cast had better chemistry Wait. in this. It's yeah. more interesting. They're playing some different characters too. Like you talked about the you know the thing with Chris Evans this is kind of a little bit of a different character for him. Um you know, Ana de Armas is playing a little bit of a different character. Whereas in Red Notice it was like The Rock is playing The Rock, Brian Reynolds is playing Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot is playing Gal Gadot. So I like that in this yes. movie it was a little little bit different for these actors who you know as some some big roles to kind of branch out a little bit and play slightly different things. So Yeah, I think the main difference in this is there was acting. Um, whereas in Red Notice <laughs> there was no acting. So no acting required, come as you are, it's improv. Um anyway. <laughs> Um, and I love improv. I'm not dogging on improv. Um, but I, yeah, I thought this movie was just so, so, so much better for Netflix. I do think I would have been, a, I think I would have been a little disappointed if mm-hmm. I had to pay for it, if I went yeah. to the movie theater. I don't think I would have been like irate, like that was a waste of money, but I, I think it would have been a little of a letdown. So I think this was a perfect release for Netflix. And I like when they get it right like that, when they know their audience and where it kind of fits the bill. So I thought that was a really good move. And yeah, I can't emphasize enough how much I agree with Jared. This was 10 times better than Red Notice. So on to dislikes now. Um, I think by overarching dislike before we get into like the nitty gritty is just I think you expect a movie with Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, huge supporting cast and directed by the Russo brothers who did probably two of the better movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. I think I just expected this to be a little bit better than it was. Not saying that it was bad, but mm-hmm. I think I had some some hype for this, and I don't think that hype was met because um, I was thinking that this was going to be, like, fantastic. You know, you have Ryan Reynolds, or Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Ana de Armas together. You right. seem like that should be a movie that you're going to give a 90 or a 95 to, and that's not going to be the grade for this. But I think I was just a little disappointed overall Um, that this wasn't just a little bit better. You know, I agree with you on that. I, I think I, the expectations were met because I had been reading a little bit of the critic stuff and hearing what they were scoring it. So I knew, I knew more than likely it wasn't going to be a film that took my breath away because I will side more often with the critics rather than the audience. Um, but 
I feel like on Netflix and stuff, it just kind of fit the bill. But I agree with you, Jared. Overall, I was like, yeah, okay. That was a bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we'll just move quickly through some other dislikes we had. Um, this was very violent. Definitely more violent than Red Notice. Um, and there's yeah. some fight scenes in here that get pretty graphic and pretty brutal for a PG-13 movie. So just know that going in if you're like going to watch this with your kids or whatever. So Yeah, I was pretty shocked, really, with the PG-13 rating after some mm-hmm. of the violence. I, I'm not someone that's super violent. or <laughs> Well, I'm not super violent. And also... <laughs> I'm not bothered by a lot of violence. My friend, I can already, my friend Mandy, friend of the pod, love you, Mandy. She definitely doesn't like violence. So, Mandy, I'm just going to tell you personally, don't watch this movie. Um, Jared, the thing that freaked me out the most, uh, (laughs) this isn't really a spoiler. I don't think you can spoil this movie. But they pulled out fingernails, and I cannot deal. I was, I actually thought I was going to hurl for a second. I was like, oh no, 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 no. Um, so that bothered me a lot, but I, yeah, I wasn't expecting the violence. And then can I just say, I'll go into another dislike, but it has to do kind of with graphic stuff. There were multiple suicides in this movie. Now you might be thinking, oh my gosh, you see someone do it. No, but you see people sacrifice themselves for the good of the Mm -hmm. order kind of a thing. Like I'm going to throw this bomb and die in it. There's multiple times that happens in this movie. And I thought, well, that's overplayed. If it's done more than once in the same film, it's overplayed. And then I just thought, wow, what message does that send to people? It sends like suicide's an option, which we probably shouldn't promote that. And then also it says like, it just is like, there's no originality to that. And then also it just shows like, why is that like the top choice for how to get out of a bad situation? So I, I, that was probably a top maybe maybe the thing I disliked the most about the film. Cause I noticed it too. And I feel like when you notice it, when you're, as you're watching it, that's a red flag. Yeah. I thought the only character it kind of made sense for was Billy Bob Thornton's character. But the other times yeah. it happened, Oops, spoiler, sorry, yeah. everyone, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, uh, sorry. But the other times it happened, I like you said, I think it was like you, it was overplayed. I got it for that character because it's like he's trying to save the girl and he's been shot and yes. there's really nothing else yep. that he can do in that situation. Right. So that kind of makes sense. But yeah, there's some other ones that are just kind of like a baffling decision. So well, and to to their credit, like Thor: Love and Thunder that we just talked about, um, but a difference than Red Notice. It's nice. It is good when we can see them sacrifice main characters because some like Red Notice didn't. Red mm-hmm. Notice was like all these pretty people have to live, and of course they did in outrageous circumstances. Um, but at least this movie wasn't afraid to kill people off. But I'm definitely, definitely against the suicide, especially more than once in one film. Um, another dislike for me was the script was not great for this movie. I just felt like it was <laughs> written by like a teenage boy or something. I thought. <laughs> It could have been stronger, some of the dialogue. Now, I will give the actors credit. They they did the best with the dialogue that they had. They really yes, definitely elevated it and did a better job than probably some other people in this position would have. But I just Ryan thought the script, the script overall was not not great and could have used maybe a couple more re- rewrites. Um, I and, agree. And then another dislike I had was this movie moves very fast, which normally... We dog on movies for being slow. This one is the opposite. It's going very fast. I think it's going almost too fast at times, though. There are periods where you don't really even have a chance to breathe or they put another action sequence in, but you're more kind of like, I would have liked some character backstory there to maybe learn a little bit more about the characters, which I think Mm -hmm. was another dislike, which goes into the script, is that you don't really know a ton about these characters and it's just moving from one place to the next. And I think that could have helped the movie out a little bit more. If maybe we cut an action sequence or two and we have just a dialogue scene between 
Ryan Gosling and Ana de Armas or something like that to kind of know why they're why they're doing this and what their motivations are and get a little bit more info on their characters. Yeah. Okay. So you you've hit on something that I did dislike more than the suicide. You're right. Um, I don't. I I didn't understand anyone's motivation really. I mean, I understood to some degree that Ryan Gosling had a relationship with this niece, an appropriate one, like he had helped her in the past, and that Billy Bob Thornton cares about his niece. And I knew that Ryan Reynolds had worked with Billy Bob Thornton in the past. But other than that, I was just kind of like, why? Like, why is Lloyd Hansen evil? Why mm-hmm. is what's up with Reggae Jean Page? Like, why yeah. is everybody like this? And I can't tell you any of it. So I totally agree with you, Jared. I felt like. I didn't understand why anyone was doing anything, and that's not good <laughs> uh, when you don't understand that. And then to go along with that, when you were talking about the script, I thought there were some cheesy moments in this film that I was like, oh, that was that was rough. But there are things I do think because of the actors, I do think there's things that Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans said that were cheesy that they made better you're right because they're good actors. So you just kind of like, I, I let it go, <laughs> but I was like, Oh, woof. That was a bit, that was a bit much, but I agree with you. I think ultimately the script was my biggest problem. And that leads in to my final dislike. Cause you can have as many <laughs> as you want. But my final dislike was like, I struggled to figure out who the villain was and why. Yeah. Um, it's not at all that I can't tell you, like, this person was a villain. I could tell who was a bad guy, but I, str- like, part of me thought Billy Bob Thornton was. Part of me thought Reggae Jean Page was the ringleader. And part of me thought, no, Chris Evans is the ringleader. But I couldn't really tell. And I don't know why. And ultimately, I was just like, but I don't understand. <laughs> I don't really understand who's doing what for what, for whom. And then the guy at the beginning, I think the reason I was so confused was exactly what you're saying, Jared. There was no um, explanation of characters and motivations because the guy at the beginning so this is not a spoiler everyone there's a guy at the beginning that's killed and he has a conversation with ryan reynolds before he dies and you get some kind of like relationship dynamic like that they know each that they came from the same background so they were raised or taught their skills by the same person but it never comes up again like it's never explained what what that guy's relationship was or if he, like, then I was kind of confused and I thought, well, is Ryan, is Ryan Gosling going to be a villain? Like, I was just confused from the beginning and I don't think it was ever fully cleared up. So in the end, like, I'm glad about who lived and who died, but I'm also like, but what? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like, and there's multiple, like you said, multiple things like K. Reggae Jean Page appears to be the boss of Chris Evans, yeah. but Chris Evans appears to be calling all the shots, even though he's not yeah. like number one in charge. And why wouldn't right. you make him number one in charge if he's like a lead in the movie? It just didn't mm-hmm. really make a lot of a lot of sense. So no. my only other dislike was this movie has lots of action sequences Lots of them are cool, but we finally get to the point when Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are going to fight each other. They've met, they've they've gotten, and now it's just the two of them, and it's time for their you know big boss battle, basically. And they decide to do that in this pond slash fountain thing, and it's not very cinematic, and the it's all just hand to hand combat, and I just felt like it wasn't choreographed very well. Um, and also Ryan Gosling should have been way more injured. He got stabbed by Chris Evans like 12 times. I feel like that would have been... you can get stabbed? Yeah. Just from someone who listens to True Crime, (laughs) you can get stabbed a ridiculous amount of times and live. It just depends where you... What gets punctured. Okay. Okay. So if a lung gets punctured, you're going down. Yeah. If someone just kind of slices your arm, you can... 
okay. a long time okay. and be okay. I, I'm still, it was still ridiculous. I agree with you. I didn't like that scene for a different set of circumstances. So go ahead. I, oh, yeah. I just wanted that. I just wanted that scene to be bigger. I just wanted it to have more of a cinematic uh, feel okay. to it because it is the, it's finally the two main characters meeting and fighting just one-on-one. And I thought that it needed to just have some feel bigger basically. So I freaking love mazes and I actually got to go to England with my family once because my mom wrote about mathematical stuff to do with mazes. Like I like mazes and they were kind of in a maze slash English garden type situation. I really liked that and other movies that have done that well. Um, Anastasia, there's a creepy scene in a maze. Harry Potter during the, the Shining tournament, creepy scene. In a maze. Yeah, there's always, I really like the element of a maze. It's creepy. It kind of throws you off. You never know what you're going to find in there. So I liked that. Um, I thought the element of the water like added something to it because you can drown someone in water. Like there's a lot of bad things that can happen in water. Um, But I thought that overall, the fact that neither of them was dying, I was kind of like, this is ridiculous. It wasn't just the stabbing. It was also like Chris Evans had a finger missing or two. And I was just kind of like, how is he walking? Like, I know you'd be in shock, but also that's ridiculous. And then he had that huge burn on his back yeah. and it got wet. And I was like, okay, you're already going to get gangrene. Like the fact that there's so much bacteria <laughs> right now, like that's what I kept thinking about. But either way, I agree with you, Jared. I think it was just different things I didn't like about that scene. I actually liked where it was taking place. I just thought it seemed very unrealistic. I was also kind of like, why are they fighting in the fountain? The water's like two yeah, feet deep. Like, I get didn't out get of the it. Fountain, yeah. Just like stand on the gravel, get out of the fountain i agree with you yeah go in the grass yeah (laughs) come on oh i did like the use of a butterfly knife and i was shocked i knew it was a butterfly (laughs) knife butterfly knife but i remembered that because all my uh daniel craig james bond fans you will remember there was a butterfly knife in casino royale there you go anyway yeah okay Mm -hmm. on to our scores for this movie uh you are first this time I am first, and my answer is going to be 75. Okay. I'm going to get a 75 because certainly not the worst movie I've seen this year. Actually, I think it's going to be fairly high on my list for entertainment value, like my letterbox list and stuff. Um, but yeah, all the things we talked about, <laughs> just like unrealistic deaths or non-deaths, uh, did not like the use of suicide multiple times, um, and the plot left a lot to be desired as far as like, what are the motivations? Who's this character? Who's a villain? And I don't think I don't think those are the questions you should be left with when you leave the theater. Um, but I liked a lot about it. I liked where it was set. I liked the use of the maze, the costumes, the actors, the music. There was a lot to like about it. I think the critics are a little bit crazy with their score right now it wasn't that bad like that's ridiculous no yeah um so 75 for me okay i'm gonna go a little bit lower and go 71 out of 100 so i think the main frustration i had with it is with just a little bit more work it could be like an 85 or a 90 like it's real close it just needs a few more things um and some cleaning up of some certain things and uh you know that making the script better and maybe formatting the movie just a little bit differently but it's very close to like a 90 but it's not and i think that was my biggest complaint with it is that it could have been it just could have been better so uh yeah yeah, 71 for me 
So you can cool. follow the, sh- the show on uh, social media at Podcast Silver. We're on Twitter and Instagram there. And then Facebook, just search Silver Screen Podcast. It will come up. We also are on Letterboxd, both myself and Katie. We have those links for you in the description of the show on Apple Podcasts. So you just click there. It'll take you right to our Letterboxd profiles. And you can follow us and see what else we're watching. And then on our next episode, we're going to review the new Jordan Peele movie, Nope. And we do have an episode on us, I believe. We did do that movie, correct? Yes, we okay, do. Yes. One second. Let me just tell you because maybe you guys will listen to it. <laughs> uh, we did not do well, Get Out because that was before the podcast started, but we did do oh, Us. Oh, that's so. right. Oh, my gosh. It was episode three. <laughs> episode three. So it's maybe probably, don't go back and listen so to that. <laughs> it's probably eight hours long because we... We were talking a lot more then. However, it was the first one that we used um, numbers to score rather than grades. We used to do like A or B, C, whatever. Yeah, for two so episodes. That was the first one yes. that we used. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. But it is what we started with, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's episode three if you, if you want to sit through that. We would appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. And then next week we will be talking about Nope. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.